that you need God and that if they don't have God, then something's wrong. Sometimes we, we get our priorities missed, messed up. We think it's more important that we teach them how, how to be a good person or how to make lots of money. But really the only thing that matters is that we tell them that they need and that we need God. Lord Jesus, without you, we are nothing. We need you today. We need the rest that you bring. We need the hope that you bring. God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to live that, not just sing that we need you, but that we would depend on you. We would come to you, Lord God, when we are in trouble. We would, we would look to you when life is going great. Father, we need you. We need you. Lord God, I pray for today. Lord, I know it's a little different. I can feel everybody's blood pressure going up. God, I just pray that there would be rest. I thank you that you created family right from the beginning of time. And that, Lord Jesus, over and over again, you have put value on children. And so, Lord God, I just pray that we would be, we would find rest. That we wouldn't be anxious. God, we wouldn't allow the distractions of kids to dis disrupt what you have to say. We wouldn't allow the frustration of getting our seats kicked from behind to annoy us. God, we would look to you and we would realize that these are your people. We are your children, all of us, no matter our age. So God, I pray that you would be with us today and that we would hear from you and that we would be changed by you. In your name, amen. So I'm really glad if you can sit down. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. We're so glad. Boys and girls, you did great. I know that's a lot longer of a worship time than you're used to. Oh, maybe you all should just stand up, kids, and like do a wiggle dance. Who can do the best wiggle dance? Who can do it? Uh, Brianna's moving. No one else is moving. Pat, come on. If Mrs. Redmond can do a wiggle dance, surely the kids can wiggle. All right, have a seat. There we go. Sorry. All right, you can turn around. Good job. We want to welcome, like it's been said lots of times, this is our family service. And I want you to know that this just isn't because it's a long weekend and because it may be more difficult to find teachers this weekend than others. That's not really the reason. It's a great, it's a great outcome. It's a great um, means to an end. But the purpose, I was thinking about this when we were worshiping, the purpose of us having a family service is because we want to show our children how to worship the Lord. We want them to feel included in the service so that when they get to be of the age that they need to be to stand up, stay upstairs, that's not a shock. And that they know that God loves them and cares for them and that they can worship. 
And so that's why we're here. Please know that I have four children, boys, so I am not going to be distracted by children. So don't freak out if you're a mom and your kid starts making noises. It's, not, it's okay. I understand. I'm not going to be offended. You're welcome to use the nursery if you need it, but you don't have to. Um, and for those of you who don't have children here, you should count your blessings. But, but uh, no, seriously, you should smile sweetly at those young ones who are around you, who are distracting you, who may make some noises. And you should remember that stage of life. And you should remember to have some grace because you were there too. And if you were never there, or if it's been a long time, and you see a mom who's struggling, you could always say, don't worry about it. You're doing a great job. Because moms love to hear that. Your kids are so great. They're so well behaved. They love to hear that too. And they often don't. We often hear all the times they do something wrong, but we rarely hear when they're doing something right. And so feel free to give those compliments to those around you who may need that encouragement. Allow the Lord to use you that way. And boys and girls, you need to listen. It's going to be a little bit of a challenge, but you need to listen. And if you listen, I'm going to say a special word. And when I... You're not going to do that, though. See, and it's going to be my children who will be the most disruptive, so don't worry about it. (laughs) Miss Veronica, if you have to tape his mouth shut, please do, okay? And so the word is, and adults can join in, too, if they want. The word is, is a special word that I'm going to say, and if I say it throughout my sermon, the first person who stands up will get a candy. If you're concerned about about allergies, I have the package. You can come and look. I'm sorry if you have allergies. I don't know how you live, but it's so hard. I did, Pastor Shane bought them, and they're supposed to be peanut-free, and I think that they are, but um, I don't know. It didn't say it on the package, though, so you'll have to read it. And basically, the, the way it works is that I'm one in charge. I've got the microphone. So if I say you were the first person to stand up, then that person is. If you feel that you're being unjustly uh, treated and you're not getting picked, you'll have to just wait your turn and stand up faster or wave your arms while you stand up. And um, also, there is, a, there is a sheet. I don't know if there's any more ushers. Um, but if you haven't received a sheet that you can do, um, it's like an outline of my sermon that you can fill in. The boys and girls could do that. That might help some of them to stay focused. You're welcome to use that. And we need at least everyone to have at least one per family by the end. Because at the end, um, there is uh, some more, there's some questions that you're going to need. There is a couple more, I think, too, Mary, in the, um, on the photocopier or... I think Miss Wilson's around too. She could help if we need more. So the word, have I told you what it is yet? No. This, is, this doesn't count. But the word is outside. So every time I say the word outside, you stand up, just like Boston did. You're listening. You can come forward. See, the fact that he's listening the first time. Wow. Good job. <laughs> Again, that doesn't happen very often, so. So what's the word? 
That's right. So when I say it, not when you say it. Okay. So I do need a volunteer. Who would like to volunteer? Would you be brave enough? Is it Celia? I always mix them up. Are you going to be brave enough? Elizabeth can come with you. Come on. And the ushers are going to help me with this. I have two gifts outside. Oh, you guys. I'll go for you. If you already have one, Boston, you can't get another one. You're not getting the whole bucket. That's for him. So if we can bring them up, and the ushers are going to bring me up this, this gift, and this is Celia and Teresa and their older sister Elizabeth, who may not participate in any way. They're, she's just here for moral support. It's their decision. I have two presents here, okay? Now, which one do you think looks nicer? Which one looks better? This one? So if you were to choose a present that you would want to have today, which one would it be? Which one? This one? Okay, I want you to come over here, and I want you to open it for me. Right in front of it, and you can have whatever's in there. Can open it right now. Nice and quick. Rip it open. Hurry. Come on, you know you make a better mess, don't you, at Christmas and your birthday? Rip it, rip it, rip it, rip it. Good job. Okay, a lovely box. I'll help you with the tape. Here, what's in it? Nothing. That's disappointing, isn't it? Oh, and I would be terrible if I said, go sit down. Try this one. This ugly. I wrapped this one. Miss Krista wrapped this one. She's a much better wrapper than me. My ugly one. You try that one. Now, that one might be more difficult. There you go. it when people put too much tape on things at Christmas. Oh, what's that? A fun tip. Which one was the better present? The ugly one with emptiness or the, I mean the pretty one with the emptiness or the ugly one with the candy? Oh, the candy. Would you like that? You make sure. I forgot to say that you have to make sure that your mom or dad says it's okay to eat the candy and also that one shouldn't be eaten though in here. Because that's going to be really messy. And, um, and you have to pick up the garbage. So you either have to put it in your dad's pocket or your mom's purse or in the garbage can. Okay? What? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, like I said, I'm not really a great rapper. At Christmas time, you go to my mother-in-law's and, um, or my sister-in-law's. And it's amazing to me. They, their, their tree is so nicely decorated. Mine isn't. Mine looks awful. But their tree looks great. And, and their presents are nicely wrapped. They've got matching bows. Actually, the presents even match. Like, who does that? They match the wrapping paper to one another. It's crazy. And it looks like you enter the house and you look and you think, wow, I'm in a magazine. This is amazing. And then, you know, our family shows up. And I pull out the gifts that I bring. 
And let's just say it no longer looks as nice as these beautiful ones. One time I went to the wedding, and we, we got this gift. And uh, this was before children, so I can't even blame it on children, my lack of racking sales. Um, I, just, I just don't see the value of it. But anyways, I, I um, brought these gifts, this gift, and I didn't buy the wrapping paper. So my husband suggested we, we put it in a garbage bag. That's what we did. We went to the wedding, and he carried a black garbage bag and brought it in, in, the, in the gift pile. It was a great low for me. But, you know, that's what you get. I don't honestly see the point of wrapping. You could have this beautiful picture or this beautiful wrapped gifts. I want you to know nothing. They're all empty. They look great on the outside. You think they're wonderful. You think, whew, I wonder what's in that big one especially. But, you know, you learn this as you get older. It doesn't matter the size of the present. Sometimes the smaller the present, the better the gift, right? But it really, doesn't really matter what's on the outside. Christian, you're listening, so you got to listen. Good job. Try not to uh, get poked. And so it doesn't really matter what is on the outer part of the gift. <clears throat> It matters what's inside the gift. You could have the greatest looking gifts and be the most disappointed. And you could have the ugliest. And that's my gifts, okay? They are the ugliest wrapped, but they are the best gifts inside. So, at least that's what I like to say. Anyways, let's turn. You're going to turn with me to Matthew, or 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 to 13. And boys and girls, that is the reference that you're looking for on your on your uh, sheet there. 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13. And just so you know what we're going to be, we need to just do some little context here. Boys and girls, if you ever read the Bible, even if you read it when you're outside, buddy in the back, I tell you, adults, you could totally beat these kids because they're not paying attention. I'm in charge, remember? If you cry, you don't get twin. So even if you are reading the Bible, you have to understand what the context of the Bible is. You need to understand what the language is. If you are in school, what I'm talking about is the background and the study, the background of the story and the setting. So I'm going to tell you what that is. Saul is king. Okay, so when we're reading 1 Samuel uh, 16, Saul is the king. He was anointed by Samuel in Sam 1 Samuel chapter 9. The problem with Saul is that he disobeyed. If you want to know what he did wrong, you need to read 1 Samuel 15. And I encourage you to do that. That's some homework for you guys. You could do that as a family, and you could figure out what it is that he did. You could even read it outside. I have to do that one free, and every time, I, the youngest one always gets one free, because then I can continue on with my sermon. So, we are told, we are told that the problem was that Saul disobeyed God, and after that, God took away his kingship and said, you can't be a king anymore. And so, it didn't, like, he was still king, though, it's just that God took his blessing away, 
and that Samuel was supposed to go and anoint someone else king. So we're going to read it, okay? So 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13, read along. Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough, Samuel, for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. For a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Verse 2, but Samuel said, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he's going to kill me. Well, take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel said, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. Verse 6, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, oh, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinar to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, neither is it this one. In the same way, he did that for all seven sons. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Verse 11, then Samuel asked, are these all the the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. Send him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil. He had brought and anointed David with the oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Daniel from that day on. And so that's where our story is. Samuel was really sad that Saul had disobeyed God. It was so sad, in fact, that he mourned him, the Bible says. He cried and cried and cried and cried about it. He he cried so much that God actually had to tell him that it was enough. He actually said, you know what, you've been sad long enough. It's time for you to move on. Has your parents ever said that to you, boys and girls? I've said it. Mom, I want to play video games. No. But why not? Because it's a beautiful day outside. Oh, come on, guys. Who is it? Who's up? You've already got one. You don't get it. No way. Which one? Okay. All right. I'm going to have to have help, clearly, because Mr. Ivan will help me. Him and I are the ones who are in charge. And if there's any complaints, I take your candy back. So, I'll take it back and eat it right with me. I don't care. That would be difficult. Where was I? So, I totally lost my spot. Right, go on, right, 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 the video games, thank you. I want to play, I want to play the video games. And I said, mom says, no, it's a beautiful day. You need to go out there. No, you need to go outside. Who was it, Ivan? 
What's your, the guy in the back? Buddy, I already gave you one. You're not getting another one. Then I'll have, you'll have to wait till later. Did he actually give it to Riker? All right, this is yours and don't complain again. Okay? So don't give your candy to other people. It's very generous of you. You should share, but not here. I can't give, keep doing it because people are going to be like, oh, I gave it to Riker. No. Okay? It doesn't count anymore. Boston, it's up at the front. You get it, and then that's it. Okay. No. So it's my children who are distracting. Who's watching that child? Don't get up again. Okay? All right. So it's more difficult when my husband's not here. I, I will admit that. Um, so, and then finally, the mom just says, enough's enough. Just get out there and stop crying. Right? So this is what God said to Samuel. Samuel, he told Samuel, he said, go back. If we're going to go to the store, he said, go to Bethlehem. Now, who can tell me, this is on your sheet, who can tell me something about Bethlehem? The birth of Jesus, the birthplace of Jesus. What else? Yeah, Judah? Jesus was born there, that's right. Can you tell me anything else? It wasn't a very big town. It wasn't, nope. Is that what you said? No, it wasn't popular. The town of David, David was born there, very good. That is what our story's about. So that's why he went to David, because David was born there. That's why we had to go. Mary and Joseph had to travel there. Naomi and Ruth. Naomi lived in Bethlehem. Do you know that Bethlehem, this is just a fun fact, it actually means breadbasket. Samuel was to go to Bethlehem because God was going to show him who the next king was. But Samuel was nervous because when there was a king already on the throne, it's not a good idea to go to someone else and say, you're going to be the next king because the person on the throne doesn't like that. So if Samuel got caught, Saul was going to kill him and probably kill the person that he anointed to be king. So God told him to take a cow and to sacrifice it for the town, which is what some, a lot of times prophets did. This would be very common, and it would not arouse suspicion of Saul or anybody else. It was a covert mission. It was like he was a secret spy. So this is what Samuel does. He goes to Bethlehem with the cow, and the elders of the community come outside to meet him. Miss Heidi, who are you giving it to, man? <laughs> All right, so he go, they go out. And they say, what's wrong? And Samuel says, nothing's wrong. I come in peace. Don't worry about it. And so he says, I'm just coming, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm just going to, we're going to do the sacrifice together. Because when the prophet showed up in your town, it was kind of like when your mom and dad calls you by your full name. It's kind of like when they say, Amber Elaine, this is for you. Because she let me use her name. It's kind of like when they say Rebecca Jean. Or they say your full name and you know you're in trouble. And this is what happens. That's what people thought when the prophet showed up. And so the people were worried. But Samuel said, don't worry about it. We're here for pre in peace. So relax. Start breathing. Let's get this sacrifice going. And you know, you think, when you read this passage, you think they sacrificed first. But it actually took a long time to do the sacrifice. They would have to prepare the animal. They would have to kill it. And then after the sacrifice, the whole community would have this feast. The whole cow would, or heifer, which is a baby cow, girl cow, that would have been used. And it was during this preparation that Samuel went to Jesse and his family and talked to his sons. 
the pe- so when Samuel finally met with Jesse and his boys, one by one, this, the boys come out. And you see, of course, I said come out, not come outside. <laughs> Boston. I gotta say, Boston is amazing at this. But you know the rules. And I've told you not to share anymore. Just this once. He'll use this against me. I want you all to know. And so, of course, you start with the the oldest son. Because in Bible times, here's some more context. In Bible times, the oldest... Oh, it's a good sign. That's where I can see you. (laughs) The oldest child, the oldest son, got the largest inheritance, got the biggest blessing, and generally was thought to be the best. So if you were the oldest son, cute today. Yes, in Bible times. It's too bad you no longer live there, though, but... <laughs> Importance then went down about age. So if you were the youngest son, it wasn't as good. But we don't live like that anymore, so it's okay. So we look at this story. Here we are at this story, and we want to say, so what? What is the point of this story, and how does it apply to me today? Because Samuel is not going to come in here with a cow. And we are not going to sacrifice this cow. So why do we even need to read this? We could easily read it outside. Oh, Paul, I'm even looking at you. I say, uh, we could evil, easily read it. You have to sit down again. Here, no, you. We have to easily, we could read it, and then we could just say, okay, that's it. But the point of the Bible story and the point of the Bible is to apply it to your life. Okay, so first thing that we see is that God does not choose us based on our appearance. Verse 6 and 7 says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height because I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the way, things the way you see them. Eliab was the firstborn. He was strong. He was tall. He was going to receive all the property that Jesse owned. He was handsome. If you looked on the outside of him, you would think that guy was amazing. And so, now he's done. He no longer needs to listen to me. (laughs) But those were the qualities, honestly, these are the qualities that Samuel saw saw in Saul. And he thought, wow, this is it. This is the making of a good king. But God says, no way, that's not who I'm looking at. That's not who I'm looking for. You would think that Samuel would have learned that by now because, I mean, Saul was a disappointment to him. But yet, he didn't. But aren't we like that? I mean, don't we look at the picture, like at the nice, the beautiful wrapped gift, and don't we say, this is the better gift compared to that ugly uh, painter's tape that I used? Of course we do, unless you're my child and then you know. (laughs) But, you know... Of course we do. We love to look at it. We look and we say, that person is better because they dress better, because they ride a better car, because they have a better job, because they're smarter. So that person is going places. That person is going to be used by God more than me or more than somebody else who looks a little different. But we need to remember that God looks at our hearts. He doesn't care about how we look out here. He cares about how we look in here. Luke 16, 15 says, you are the one who justifies yourself in the eyes of others. But God knows your heart. God knows your heart. 
And what people value highly is detestable in God's sight. God doesn't look on the, you have to be sitting or it doesn't count. He doesn't look on the outward. You know, we don't have to have the coolest clothes, boys and girls. We don't have to have the greatest, what, the greatest paying job. We don't. And when our parents sometimes act like we do, they're just mistaken. Because who we are on the inside is so much more valuable to God. So God does not look on the outward appearance. That, mat- that doesn't matter to God. God what do- so what does matter to God? God chooses us based on our heart's condition. Verse 7 says, The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Samuel needed to realize that God was not looking for another Saul. He was not looking for someone who looked good on the outside. He was looking, you in the hat, he was looking for someone who looked good on the inside. David was this person. Saul had it all wrong. As far, sorry, Saul had it all. As far as the world standards were, he had it all. This is on your list, boys and girls. This is on your, um, on your outline. This is who Saul was. We are told that his dad was wealthy. That means he had a lot of money. We are told that not only was he, did he have a lot of money, he was powerful, he was influential, and he knew how things were, he knew how to be a king. He knew how it was supposed to go. He knew how to act. We went on a, a cruise, and we, when we went for lunch or for supper, every time I had to remind my children how to act in the restaurant because it was a sit-down restaurant. And so, you know, they, they would come, and they would fluff out your, your napkin or your, that's what it's called, right, your napkin, and put it on your waist. And I remember one of them saying, that's not right to me. They didn't like that part because it was a little weird, this girl putting a napkin on your waist. But that's what you had to do, and we had to tell them how to act. And Saul already knew that. David didn't. Something else to note very neatly, adults, my boys and girls too, if you're into this, is that the next brother is called Abnar in verse 8, and that actually means Saul, if you were to know what his name means. And so God rejected him too. And God was telling Samuel, you know what? I don't want someone who looks like Saul. I don't even want someone named Saul. It is time for me to have someone new. And again, this is for us who are older. And I include myself in that. Sometimes it is really hard to think that God is going to do something new. We like things to be the same as what we're used to. We like it to be church to be the same as how we grew up. And a lot of times it isn't. The next generation, God wants to do things differently. And we need to be okay with that. Because he is looking not for another Saul. He is looking for somebody new. So God doesn't want anyone to look like Saul. So how, was, so how did David look? How was he different? First Samuel 16, 12 says, So Jesse sent for him David. He was dark, handsome, and beautiful eyes. Now you look at that and you read that and you think, Hey, that kind of sounds like he looks good on the outside. But let's just, again, Oh, good job, buddy. I didn't even realize I said it. He's listening. Well, so, by contrast, so this is, this is what you need to listen for, okay? Again, this is why you need to know the context of the Bible. 
David was probably the, between the ages of 10 and 15. His name actually means beloved. This is on your list too, guys. He was youngest, okay? Saul was probably the oldest, but David was the youngest. In fact, his own father uh, didn't even think it was necessary for David to show up to this event because he was the youngest. Samuel actually had to tell him, go and get him. We're not going to move on until I meet this David. Jesse wasn't wealthy. David worked in the fields as a shepherd, which is, in the Bible times, is really bad. It's the lowest of the low for jobs. He was handsome, according to this passage, but this actually means more concerning the outward appearance of someone. The passage is suggesting here that there was a sweet innocence, an honest eye or an honest look about him. He was meek and he was teachable. That's kind of what the, that is what the Bible is trying to tell us about David, which was very different from what Saul was. So David, on the inside, was pure. Luke 6.45 says, A man brings good things out of, good store, of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You know what that verse is basically saying, boys and girls? It's saying, whatever's inside your heart is going to come out. So if you are ugly in your heart, then ugly words are going to come out of you. If you have good thoughts in your heart and in your life, then good things are going to come out of you. Have you ever had an apple that you're about to eat and it looks so nice and juicy and red and you think, oh, I'm so, I can't wait for this apple? And then you bite it and it's brown inside and mushy. It's disgusting. And it totally destroys the fruit because on the outside you think it's great. I'm going to give it to your sister because you won. You did it for the good of your sister. Come on up, Natasha. And that is kind of like us, when we might look good on the outside, but if our words are, oh, good job. Again, you in the back. We might look good on the outward appearance, but on the inside, we're awful. We're like that bruised fruit. And we need to make sure that we keep our insides clean. So how do we do that? But we can't allow bitterness to get into our life. We can't allow anger or rage to live in our life. We can't allow unforgiveness to come in our life or jealousy or envy. These are things that Saul had in his life, and these are things that killed him, that destroyed his kingdom. We need to take the time to cultivate what God wants. God cares about what's the inside of us. You know, he, we, don't, we often think, you know, God can't use me because I'm not a good speaker. Or God can't use me because I don't play an instrument. Or God can't use me because I don't look so good. Or I have trouble reading. I have trouble in school. I don't have a lot of friends. Maybe God can't use me because I don't speak English very well. God can't use me because my parents, you know, they are duds. You know what? <laughs> God is not deter, does not deter. This, these issues, these disappointments that we have, this does not de deter or stop God from saying yes to the plan that he has for you. In fact, God likes it when we're weak. 
God likes it because it allows Jesus to shine through and for his glory to be seen. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 11 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insult, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I then he is strong. God is more concerned about what is on the inside of you than what is on the... Very good. Someone else said it. You know, we're told in verse 13, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil that he had brought to anoint David with, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Boys and girls, this is so important. I want you to really, really listen hard, okay? I'm almost done. It didn't matter that David did not have all these great qualities on the outside. It didn't matter. Nobody stood up. Oh, who are you wanting to give it to? How about this little one? It didn't matter. I didn't even see. This is the problem. You got to... Good job. It doesn't matter. What God, what you think you have on the outside. I'm giving it to this one. Boston, you're amazing at this. I want you to know. Because you know what David had? David had the Holy Spirit. So he was anointed with oil. And then we are told that the Holy Spirit came upon him. It is the Spirit of God in our lives, boys and girls, that make the difference. It is the Spirit of God that makes the difference. If we don't pass that on, church, to the next generation, we're going to be in trouble. Boys and girls, nothing else matters than the Spirit of God. If we don't have the Spirit of God in our lives, nothing else matters. So, you know what David did after he was anointed? We're not really told. We think automatically that he's anointed and then he gets to be king. But he actually had to wait quite a long time before he was allowed to be king. Because Saul stayed king. He went to work for Saul at a time and then he came back. He worked, he was, uh, he went and probably went to Samuel and had to um, be taught by Samuel. But David was willing to learn. Samuel would have trained David in music, in reading, and in writing, and in poetry. David was humble. He was kind. Samuel anointed David, and then David had to wait. We know that he was brave because he killed the bear and the lion with his own hand. And then, of course, we know the great story that he killed Goliath. David loved God. And in fact, later in David's life, we were actually told in Acts 13.22 that David was a man after God's own heart. So here we are. I want to tell you today that God has a plan for you. It doesn't matter if you are 88 or 8. It doesn't matter if you're the youngest person here or the oldest. If you're a boy or a girl. If your skin is my color or somebody else's color. It doesn't matter because you have been created by God and he has a plan for your life. He has a purpose. One of my children one time asked me why what is my, one of my special things? And you know what? We have all been given a special thing. 
We have all been given something to do for God. And if we are willing to ask that question, God is willing to give you the answer. He wants us, the only prerequisite that we need to have is that we need to have a heart that is after him. We need to have a heart that wants to be like him, that wants to serve him, and is willing to do whatever God asks us to do. I know you guys probably want to get outside, so we'll try to speed it up. It was the lady in the back, but we're going to go over here because you already had one. Good job, though. You don't have a sibling, right? No. So I know you want to, but I want you to just focus for a little bit longer. Look, I only have one page left, okay? Oh, it's a good thing. He knows I could talk forever. You know what? And this is really important, boys and girls. God has a plan for you even if other people don't see it. Verse 10 says, In the same way all of seven sons of Jesse were presented to Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, God hasn't chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the children you have? Are these all the boys you have? I get asked that question a lot too. And yet, Jesse replies, Well, they're still the youngest. Um, But he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. You know, boys and girls, David's own father did not even think that he was important enough to be invited to the party. Samuel told Jesse to bring all of his sons and to come and meet him. And here David is outside with the animals. It's you again. Who would you like to give it to? What's in, maybe the little girl beside Miss Veronica. Hey, Deborah, right? Deborah, come up. We'll get her brother to come up. I appreciate you guys listening so well. You're amazing. Have you got one yet? You did. Okay, so give it to your sister. And so he's out in the field. He's looking after the sheep. He's not even important enough to be sent and to be brought to the party. Kids, moms and dads, people of God, how many times have you been told you're not good enough? That the things that are inside of you just don't quite measure up. Maybe, and you know, I pray that that's not the case, that you never felt that, but maybe it's even your own parents who have said that to you. And today, God is here, and he says, you know what? I don't care what you look like on the outside. (laughs) I'm going to give it to uh, Micah. Can you come up? I don't care what you have, and you can give it to his siblings as well. I don't care what you have and what you look like. I don't care. What I care about is what's inside. That's what I care about. But finally, he also says that I have a purpose for you even if no one else thinks it. Even if you never think that you've measured up. Don't don't get discouraged, boys and girls, moms and dads, people of God. Don't get discouraged if you've been told that what's inside of you doesn't mean anything. Because God is here today and he's saying, I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. I have a reason why you're here on this earth. You know, David, his own father, his own father didn't think he measured up. And yet he's probably one of the most loved and respected and noted kings that Israel ever had. 
God used him anyways, even when people, even Samuel, probably looked at him and was like, ugh. He knows what you have to offer. And he, if you ask him, he'll show you what he wants you to do. Boys and girls, there, there is, there is, a, on the back of your sheet, there are questions. And this is where it's going to be really hard because I know, especially if you don't have children here today, you're going to be like, oh, now I have to talk to these people beside me. And I know it's going to be really hard because you'd rather do it the way we normally do. But remember, God even told Samuel that we are going to do things different, and that's okay. What I'd really like you to do is to kind of huddle up, move your chairs, and this is how we're going to end. We're going to take five minutes, and I want you to answer these questions. Parents, this is your job. It's great that you brought them to church. It is, but it is our job to pass on the faith to our children. So this is a way to help you. Because lots of times we think, how am I going to do that? You're going to ask questions. The questions are in the back. If you don't have the questions, the ushers will get you one. You only really need one per group. And you're going to answer them. You're going to take five minutes and you're going to answer them. If you don't have kids, find other adults and talk to them and answer them. If you do have your kids here, I encourage you to do this as a family. So that you're able to speak into their lives. So we're going to take five minutes to do this, and then we're going to pray. It will only be five minutes, I promise, and then I will encourage you to take the rest of your conversation home for lunch, and you can continue. So if you need help finding a group, then please let me know, and I'll help you find a group. Maybe you guys in the back could go together, with the, and you could join in. And families go together. Natalie, you want to go in here? Go with Miss Lily. You want to go with Miss Lily or do you want to come up with me? You go with Miss Lily.
All right, guys. Woo, welcome back. Can you believe that was only five minutes? I timed it. It really doesn't take that long. Five minutes. If you haven't gone through all the questions, then I want to encourage you to stay and do it. If you have or you have to go, then we're going to pray. But before I go, I really want to say one thing. Well, I guess two things. So we're going to recap. First, God doesn't care and the game is over. If you haven't had any candy, if I didn't see you, don't be discouraged. It's okay. You can come up to me and I will ask you one question and you can, you can get it. Okay? Maybe the question will be, what's your birthday? Okay? It'll be easy. So I, I hope to give everyone a candy so don't feel discouraged. Okay? Now that was a free thing. So now two more things. So God doesn't care what's on your outside. He cares what's in your inside. And he has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you, even if other people don't think that. And boys and girls, or moms and dads, I want, you to t- I want to tell you this. This is as easy as it gets. I encourage you to read scriptures with your children and ask questions about it. That's, a, that's all you have to do. That's how you get the scripture implanted in your child, and that's how you let it come alive. It's not something you have to be afraid of. If you are afraid of it, I can for sure give you some great resources that you could buy in order for you to be able to spend time with your children that way. The other thing I just want to say is number five, if you haven't done that yet, I really want you to do it. It doesn't have to be here. And please, I say this with the utmost respect, especially if you're the father here. If you are a dad here, I encourage you to do number five and say it to your children, even if they are as little as Frank's baby. Because if we can include this in our daily life, encouraging our children, telling them the value they have, it will go so far. Because a lot of times we don't even mean to tell our children that they aren't valuable, and yet we do. And so I encourage you, especially if your dad here today, and if your dad isn't here today, you can always ask them. Or, you know, mom can do a good job too. That's not what I'm trying to say. But it really does mean a lot from dad. And number six, adults. You know, if you're here today and you don't, maybe you don't have kids, and that's okay, you're welcome. You're so welcome to come. And we're so glad you're here because you feel that you, you round us off as a church. It's important. But I want you to think about number six and answer that. Because we do all have a purpose, even no matter how old we are. So we're just going to pray. I'm so glad you could come. I hope you enjoyed church today. I hope you learned something and that you could take it and apply it to your life. And next week, like I said, um, we'll return to regular programming next week. So... Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are here. I thank you, Lord God, that you love us and that you are here with us. God, I pray for each family, each person here that represents a unit that you have brought together. God, even those who may just be single right now, Lord God, whether by choice or by age or circumstance, God, I pray that you would bless them, that you would be with them and protect them that you would encourage them and bring them hope and a future and a life. Lord God, I just pray that if there are those here today who are struggling, whose family unit may be 
fighting or maybe in difficulty, Lord God, I pray for deliverance. I pray for hope and for life. And I just ask that you would be with them. God, I pray that this would be a, a great springboard to start off, Lord God, involving one another, Lord, in discussing the Bible. Whether it's with our individual families or even outside of our families, like some people did today. It was so great, Lord God, to see your people discussing the truth of who you are and the truth of who they are because of you. So, Lord, I just pray that we would go home today and that we would continue to discuss the good things that you do and we would continue to discuss the word of God and that, Lord Jesus, we would be able to draw closer to you, Lord, and our faith would be owned, our faith would be ours, and we would have held on to it. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Be blessed. Boys and girls, if you didn't receive a candy, feel free to come up, and I will give you one. <laughs>